0: Hello and welcome to Insurance Insights, a podcast from Capgemini Financial Services that looks at the latest trends in the insurance industry through the lens of some of its leading experts. I am Mary Ellen Harn, and today we're gonna to talk about more key findings from the World Insure Tech Report 2020. Joining me are Paul Carroll, Editor-in-Chief of ITL for the Institutes, and Seth Racklin, Chief Innovation Officer of Insurance for Capgemini's Financial Services. We'll welcome back Seth and Paul. In the past two episodes on key findings from the World InsurTech Report, we talked about big techs moving into insurance, as well as how traditional carriers can invent value for its consumers. This episode focuses on the consumer more and also on how collaboration can help find the key ingredient for matching evolving consumer needs. So Seth, let's begin today's discussion with you. How have insurance customer expectations evolved over the years and What are some of the critical expectations from customers of their insurance firms?
1: Well, Mary Ellen, thanks for that. I I think fundamentally, um, customers' expectation of an insurance company at the highest level is identical to what it's always been. They expect the company to be there and pay their claims when something bad happens. But that equation, I think, has indeed evolved considerably uh, over the last uh, 20, 20 plus years in a number of key areas. I think, number one, customers' expectations from a pricing perspective are, are very different. So I think customers are expecting competitive pricing from their insurance companies. The days of sticking with one insurance company your entire life, I think, are are rapidly, are rapidly ending. But I think most importantly, uh, and we've talked in in some of the other podcasts about uh, digital expectations and digital experiences, but I thought I would try to boil it down this way. Customers are expecting that they don't have to talk to somebody. And when I say talk, I mean, use, use your voice because my son thinks texting is talking, but they expect that they don't have to actually speak to someone to make the simple things happen. A pebble hits my windshield. I want someone to come and replace the glass. I should be able to accomplish that without having to look up a phone number, call a call center, figure out what my policy number is, wait on hold, and go through a lengthy process where I'm connected to a repair service. I should be able to pick up my phone, indicate where I'm at and what, what indeed happened, and someone should come and fix my glass. At the same time, and I think equally important, they expect that when something truly impactful happens, uh, when their home is destroyed in a fire, that they can pick up that phone and talk to someone who will be there to help and to do the utmost to, in fact, you know, get them to a safe place to stay and get that home fixed, repaired, or rebuilt as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. So I think what, you know to summarize kind of what I'm saying is I think that customers are expecting from insurance companies, what they expect for all of the businesses that they that, that that they support as as customers. And that is seamless experiences when it's simple, empathetic experiences when it's when it's important or meaningful or complex, all at a price that's fair, that's competitive, and that is in fact transparent. Mary Ellen.
0: Thanks, Seth and Paul. What have you seen uh, with regard to this as you've covered the industry?
1: Well, I think
2: Seth hit all the key points. I'll, I'll just pick up on a piece he was discussing there at the end, which is that I, I think in general there's been a revolution by customers against companies over the last, say, thirty years. I, I think of customers as basically getting more ornery. You know, we, we were all trained to deal thing, with things from the corporate standpoint. So what's your customer number? What's your confirmation number for the airline? Um, you you had to sort of fit within their systems. And partly because technology now lets an airline say, look at my name and look at what city I'm leaving from, what city I'm going to, and figure out everything else about the record. People have become more demanding. Uh, I go back far enough in technology that I was around when people were talking about computer literacy in the 80s and 90s as being key, even a a national advantage. We had to train Americans to be more computer literate so that they could handle things better. And then Steve Jobs came along and said, screw it, I'm just going to make this thing intuitive. And it flipped the equation. So it's now up to the technology companies to make things easier for us. It's not up to us nearly so much to fit into their schemas to uh sit on the phone and go through phone trees and then deal with some uh, tech person who doesn't necessarily know what's going on so i i, I sort of think of the cantankerous customer as being a, a huge change in general in business and i think it's the insurance industry's time in the barrel uh, at the moment having watched any number of other industries go th- through this sort of thing over the last 30 35 years
0: well, thank you, Paul. You know, picking up on something that you both mentioned, it, which is a cons- customer expectations are accelerating at a faster pace. So, Paul, let's turn to you first. Could you comment on the key drivers behind this phenomenon?
2: Sure. There are a lot. Uh, I think the training from other industries and so forth, uh, as I mentioned, is a, is a big thing. If I had to crystallize it all, I'd say it all comes down to my iPhone i think people have uh, you know they're sort of attached to the hip or the hand uh, with the iphone and that's become their way of looking at the world so, so the son texts and thinks it's speaking um my daughters send me stuff uh, all, all the time from all kinds of different uh areas and it just uh that sort of ease of use has become i think the standard and it has made people more demanding it also has, frankly, complicated things a bit for companies because it used to be that you would sit down and deal with somebody face to face or you would deal with them through a call center on a phone. And now you have to be ready for that uh, text. You have to have a chat bot or you have to have a person there and you have to be able to track things through a, a multitude of channels rather than just having that one computer record record that uh, you could refer to uh, whether face-to-face or on the phone. So I, I um, not to, to blame uh, Steve Jobs, but uh, I, I do sort of think of what he did with the iPhone as reorienting the customer experience in a profound way.
0: Uh, thank you, Paul. Seth, do you have thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I think,
1: uh, you know, first obviously totally agree with with what Paul says. I think the, the impact of of some of these consumer technologies has been profound. I think uh, another impact that they've had that I think is impactful to the insurance industry is, is the phenomenon of choice. So I think that customers expect a far broader range and of choices and they expect to be able to switch among choices far more frequently. So I mentioned the phenomenon I talked about before. You would uh, you'd kind of set out on your life path with an insurance agent and an insurance company and you'd stick with them pretty much forever. And um, what we're seeing now, particularly in 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 the auto insurance space and it's important to remember that auto insurance is the largest segment of of insurance overall. What we're seeing in the auto insurance space is the phenomenon where all of a sudden customers are switching and switching rather frequently. So we've gone from an industry that was that was driven by customer retention to an industry where the many many insurance carriers who offer ins- offer insurance auto insurance have to compete every 6 months for that for that renewal. It's incredibly price sensitive, it's incredibly experience sensitive. And customers are, are expecting a large number of choices, and they're also in a, in, a, in a mood where they're willing to try different things. And so I think the, the concept of experimentation and the concept of choice, all of which was brought about by, you know, big techs, which offer seemingly unlimited choices, whether it's the books I read or the TV shows I watch or the podcasts I listen to. You know, that that phenomenon of choice, I think, is having an enormous impact in terms of what the customer expects from the industry and the industry is racing to catch up.
0: So, Seth, basically evolving customer expectations are without doubt affecting traditional insurance firms and other ecosystem players. Uh, What what can they do about this?
1: Well, I think, you know, the the key is the key is a few things you know, number one. You got to put the customer first and you got to put the customer first in everything you do. And, and that's a shift in DNA. You know, when I, uh, I like to talk about how when I started in this business and, uh, you know, came into it, you know, from an advertising background, from a marketing background, I was always talking customer. And whenever I use the word customer in a meeting, people kind of looked at me because the word you were supposed to use was policyholder. The word you were supposed to use was claimant. The word you were supposed to use was insured. And frankly, none of these are particularly friendly words. So I think there's a cultural shift, and it's underway in a lot of places, but there's a fundamental cultural shift to put the customer first, to imagine processes from a customer first uh, perspective, and to design them differently. It's not about what the insurance company needs to do to process a claim, it's about what the customer needs to do. To get the restitution they deserve and to get and to get on with their lives and i think i think i I think you know we talk a lot about technology but technology is only half of the equation i think a lot of it is culture and culture changes more slowly than tech and so a lot of what i do with customers these days my customers which are insurance companies is try to help them help them imagine that cultural shift and help them imagine that new way of thinking about the ecosystem they play in and the people who pay for the services that they provide.
0: What about collaboration between other ecosystem partners?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, I think a piece of that customer equation, a piece of meeting the customer where they are and thinking of them as a customer. Is understanding that you're not the only thing in their world that they exist, every customer has an ecosystem of their own of providers of various financial services, of providers of what we in the automotive space now call mobility services, and being able to connect seamlessly in that ecosystem, being able to recognize that when I provide homeowners insurance, I'm part of a chain that likely involves a real estate a real estate agent of some kind. I'm part of a chain that usually involves a mortgage servicer of some kind. You know, that's an ecosystem. And insurance is only a piece part of that home buying experience. No different on the, on the automobile side. Insurance is a piece of an experience that includes an auto dealer, an auto manufacturer, uh, a method of financing or, or paying for the vehicle. And those kinds of ecosystem, uh, connect, that kind of ecosystem connectivity, absolutely critical to meet the customer where they are because they're expecting a seamless experience across those different value uh, value providers. They're not, they're not looking for a set of experiences. It's one purchase experience, it's one service experience, and ecosystem connectivity is absolutely critical to making that vision happen.
0: Thanks, Seth. Well, let's turn to Paul, your thoughts on this?
2: Well, I I feel like I just found a long lost brother. I feel like Seth and I were separated at birth or or something. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I mean, hearing him him talk about the language. That's one of the first things that struck me about insurance. And through my weekly six things newsletter, I tend to about once a year beat people up about that because I don't want to be a policy number. I want to be a valued customer. If I am filing a claim, I don't want you to send me an adjuster. I, I don't want my loss claim adjusted. I want a customer service representative who's going to help me through the process. When, you know, Mary Ellen, if there's a big storm that hits Charleston where where you live and somebody files a claim, why is that referred to as a loss by the insurer? Why is not that a payment to a longtime valued customer? I, I, I just think there's this fundamental disconnect in a lot of the language that insurance uses. And I think it it sort of feeds into what I think is one of the fundamental issues that insurance is wrestling with now, which is who is the customer? With a lot of insurers, they tend to view the agent, the broker, as the customer, because that's the person they're dealing with most directly. But I'm the customer. uh, And... There certainly are some complications as you try to deal with me directly versus dealing with me through my agent. But at the same time, I think there has to be a reorientation that looks at me and you and Seth as the customer and not just as sort of a, a policy number hanging out there. So, um, Seth, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my long lost brother, I'm delighted to hear you say what you said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So 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 let's just build out a little bit on the on collaboration and sort of you know taking up with you what you both said and and to, and sort of expanding a little bit on why seamless collaboration is so critical. So Paul what should insurers do for seamless collaboration with industry players?
2: Well I had mentioned in an earlier podcast that I think the three most important letters are API application programming interface so I think insurers need to really be defining what they do. Uh, the the first stage in a digitization process is just to make everything digital. You take pictures of everything. You make it so that you can share things via computer rather than having to walk down the hall to hand somebody a file. <clears throat> but that's just the beginning. You know, having a picture of a piece of paper as a PDF doesn't really help you deal with that. You have to make all the information truly digital so that you can share it. Once you do that, then you start to rethink processes to some extent so that, um, say, instead of having a, an A to Z process for a claim, you, in the words of an old partner of mine, Jamie Yoder, who's now the president of Snapsheet, you make the claim the captain of the process. You sort of let the the claim sit there in the middle and reach out for the information it needs, whether from the the customer or from the agent, from the insurer or whomever. So I, I think there has to be some fundamental digitization that can happen first. And then once you get to that point, you can really define at each step of the process exactly what information it is that you need in what form. And then you sort of put that out there. Uh, one of the biggest successes in financial services in recent years as a startup is Plaid which is really nothing but uh, a middleware product that lets banks deal with my daughter's Venmo or PayPal or whatever. It just sorts out all the complexity in the middle. And, and once you define that sort of, uh, that interface, then you open up possibilities for all sorts of collaboration with partners and then uh, ultimately
1: with the
0: customer. Seth, do you have thoughts on this?
1: I do, I do. I, I you know, I, I, I listen to Paul and, you know, in thinking about what he what he's saying about digitization, I, I think that that, you know, kind of harkening back to our discussion about big techs. I think what big techs do so well is they harvest all of the data that comes from that digitization to actually truly get an understanding of who the customer is. And they manage that data in a fulsome way to really drive that level of customer uh, understanding and that level of customer intimacy. And, uh, you know, I got into the insurance business actually coming out of the customer data business. And, And we have such a long way to go in terms of truly harvesting the power of data, the power of all of those digits to craft experiences, to craft, services to craft offerings. And you know, that's probably what uh, I will spend the next 10 years of my career doing is really helping customers to do exactly, helping my customers to get to know their customers in in a truly meaningful way.
0: Thanks Seth. So let's wrap up this episode with a final question which is more about the future. How do you think ecosystem collaboration will evolve? And Paul, let's start with you.
2: So I I think this uh, API uh, sort of model that I'm talking about will uh, allow for all sorts of uh, ecosystems. And to what Seth was saying before about a pebble hitting his windshield or whatever, um, I I think you will have these systems. So it will be the Mm -hmm. glass supplier together with the um, insurance company, but you'll also be feeding information back to say the car companies So they understand, excuse me, the um, sort of damage that happened and conceivably understand how to to tinker with the product. I think that uh, the auto dealer conceivably will be involved because if you're buying a car, you're buying car insurance. Um, I think that there will be uh, telematic sorts of uh, uh, companies involved as well. So there there will be ways to... um, uh, to tap into all sorts of other folks in ways that are only limited by
1: uh, our imagination.
0: Well, thank you, Paul and Seth. Anything else to add?
1: Yeah, I, I think that uh, all of the kinds of of interactions that that paul has has spoken of uh, will happen. I think that uh, as he has he's rightly pointed out, APIs are critical. And I think because, you know, it seems that both Paul and I like to think about the words we use, uh, I think that collaboration will probably fade as we talk about the ecosystem because collaboration is something we typically do in a voluntary way. Collaboration is something we do, you know, because we choose to do it. And I think it, I think that these kinds of ecosystem connections evolve from something that's voluntary, something that's, quote unquote, well-meaning to something that's absolutely imperative. Uh, you know, when we go to a store and we use a credit card, we don't hope that, the, the, that the, the person who's selling us the product is collaborating with a payments provider. We know that they're integrated with a payments provider. And I think that, that these kinds of ecosystem connections become uh, absolute necessities for the industry. And that the notion of collaboration and the choice that you have in the matter completely goes away.
0: Well, thank you, Seth and Paul, for joining me today. This wraps up our discussion on the findings of the World Tech Report 2020 with Seth Bracklin of Capgemini and Paul Carroll of the Institutes. To our listeners, if you found this podcast interesting, please subscribe to Capgemini's Insurance Insights Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more podcasts from Capgemini Financial Services, please subscribe to our Banking, Payments, and Wealth Spotlight podcast. In the meantime, please connect with us on LinkedIn and Twitter and visit capgemini.com to download the World InsureTech Report 2020. This podcast has been brought to you by Capgemini Financial Services. Thanks for listening.